Hello, Kubernetes community, and welcome back to another episode of the uh, Pod Control Podcast. Um, it is a beautiful or not so beautiful day on the east coast of the U.S. Here, uh, the weather's uh, pretty pretty terrible uh, up here. How about by you, Brian? Well, things are good. You know, it's the uh, what the second second longest day of the year today. I guess yesterday was we're in summer, so yeah, no, things are beautiful down here. So <laughs> sorry, sorry. I to guess hear. it's mainly up in the northeast here. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so things are good. Uh, you know, it's it's summertime, so you know people are are getting ready for summer stuff. We're gonna we're gonna try and spread out some of the topics on the show just because you know there's not always a ton of like net new news in the summertime. So um, you know we're we're gonna you know spread out a little bit and and hit on some some newer topics or, or sort of new areas is to sort of help people keep learning Kubernetes and keep, uh, you know, keep figuring out new ways to deploy it. Yeah, I think I think today's topic is something that's come up uh, from people we've talked to as well, which is like, cool, like, I want to do this hands on. And, uh, and how do I do that? Not just, hey, where can I download it? But, you know, what are some of the ways where people are, are helping people get hands on with it uh, out in the field? Yeah. So, you know, today we're very lucky. Um, so we, uh, we we grabbed one of our colleagues. So Eric Jacobs, Principal Technical Marketing Manager on the Red Hat OpenShift team. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. And uh, we grabbed Eric because Eric is sort of ultimately responsible. I know there's a number of people that are involved with it, but ultimately responsible for um, some very cool roadshows, hands-on workshops, hands-on labs, um, things that we do out in the field um, that we take kind of out out to the marketplace um, and we do uh, we you know we try and train the masses if you will or at least you know give them some some starting points so wanted to do that first before we do that uh, tell us about your background a little bit and then you know some of the things that you work on at Red Hat sure Brian um, and thanks for having me today so I've been at Red Hat actually what no longer is a really long time I, I just had my 10-year anniversary here and I spent about two-thirds of my tenure as a sales engineer out in the field kind of helping customers explore our technologies and use them, uh, and, and probably that whole time wishing for something like the things I'm building today. And for the last four years, I've been in this technical marketing role at Red Hat. Um, and so some of the things that I do, you know, my title has marketing in it, but I'm, I'm not much of a marketing person. It's far more technical. We build a lot of these hands-on experiences. Myself, uh, CMX at Aganfar, one of the other TMMs on OpenShift, along with many TMMs from our middleware and developer organizations. Um, we all put this content together. Um, and then we do other things like just build demos and videos, uh, blog posts, you know, kind of typical technical activities that are associated uh, with marketing, but aren't really purely marketing. Yeah. Cool. So, um, you know, the, this, obviously you covered a whole wide range of, of topics uh, that you work on, um, but today we want to specifically focus on the roadshow bits. Um, you know, they're hands-on environments for, you know, some of the roadshows are built for developers, some for operators. Can you sort of give us a background of how they get pulled together and, and delivered? Yeah, absolutely. So when we when we launched OpenShift 3.0, which was our first uh, foray with Kubernetes as a real product, um, we said, hey, let's let's take this to the masses. This is very new to everybody. We want to give people a, an opportunity to get hands on. Um, and we, we spent a lot of time building that thing. And, and over time, that's evolved into what now is a, a two track experience. As you mentioned, there's content for both operators and uh, developers. And so as far as how does that come together? 
Well, on the developer side, it's a little bit easier. So first, you need OpenShift. And as far as enabling the field, uh, and when we talk about the field at Red Hat, we're talking about our field sales organization. So solutions architects that are out there, um, you know, talking to customers. So when they're going to do an event, if or if they want to do an event, we need to make it possible for them to actually get an OpenShift environment. Uh, and so today... There's a back-end uh, vendor underneath that developer environment, and that vendor's name is Katakoda. And essentially, um, there's a bunch of sort of VM images that get spun up to create an OpenShift environment. And then uh, when people walk into the room that day, they get handed uh, access to that OpenShift environment. We just give them a username and the password. The operation side is a little bit trickier because every operator who wants this hands-on experience needs to interact with their own OpenShift environment. And to have a meaningful operations experience, you can't just have a single node. You really do need a full cluster. And so we use a vendor called QuickLab underneath the operator experience. Uh, and so QuickLab, through the use of CloudFormation's templates, essentially helps us hand a relatively large OpenShift cluster. It's a single master with uh, three infra nodes, actually six infra nodes because they expand the cluster later. Six app nodes uh, start with three, expand the cluster later. Um, and so those are the two technologies that we use sort of underneath these uh, experiences. But basically, you know, it's pretty vanilla OpenShift when you get right to it. Gotcha. And, and in essence, you guys have to be able to, you're, you know, we've we've talked about this a million times on the show. You know, the a Kubernetes environment sort of has a there's a part of it that's relevant to developers. There's a part of it that's relevant to operators, as you sort of talked about. Like, walk us through how you and 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 the team kind of think about how do I put together an agenda? Um, you know, for the developers, what are the types of things developers are going to want to learn, like in a day, and then and then kind of contrast that to what you think about for what operators want to learn in that day, and 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 kind of how do you go about showing them that stuff. Sure. Yeah, these these are definitely very different personas. And I think that what, you know, regardless of whether you're talking about OpenShift or Kubernetes or or whatever the technology is, right? You have to start with the persona in mind. So just saying developer doesn't necessarily tell you enough because there are lots of developers that do lots of different things. You got .net developers, PHP, Ruby, Node, you know, all these different development languages, Java, and they all they all have different workflows. To a certain extent, I mean, generally speaking, everybody, you know, write code, commit code, build code, you know, go home. Um, and so when we were building the developer workshop, and I'm going to talk about the, the older one because the cloud native development workshop that we have today is, is a little bit different. Um, we were doing it from the perspective of if I was a new developer who or I should say a developer new to containers and Kubernetes and OpenShift, what are the things that I would want to know? to just get started to be able to try my normal workflows using this new paradigm of, of software development, you know, with containers. Um, and so we spent a lot of time on like, hey, here's what the fundamental objects of Kubernetes are. This is a pod. This is a service. Um, you know, this is a container. And then some of the OpenShift specific things. This is a route uh, and so on and so forth. Here's the user interface. And then we took very common workflows, like I'm a Java person and I have an existing container that I figured out how to build. How do I run that on OpenShift? Okay, this is great. How do I take just pure Java stuff and run it on OpenShift? How do I tie a front end into a back end and do that on OpenShift? And so while these don't specifically scream of development topics, 
they are relevant to a developer who is new to a platform like OpenShift. With the cloud native one, it was a combination of, hey, you know, Red Hat OpenShift application runtimes, we're packaging things like um, Wildflex Swarm, which recently was renamed, and I apologize for not having the name on the tip of my tongue, uh, with Node, with VertX, with uh, just Tomcat and, and Spring and so on and so forth. Hey, I, I develop in these technologies. I want to understand how to, how to use them on OpenShift. And so we sit down and start with the end in mind. And then just start building exercises, and we kind of stop when we hit a full day's worth of content. Um, I would say the operator side is really basically the same story. You know, a, a person who is going to be a cluster administrator of OpenShift or an operator of OpenShift, um, they have typical duties with respect to keeping the platform running. They need to understand how to install. They need to understand how to expand the cluster when it's full. They need to understand how the monitoring and logging solutions work so that they can keep those solutions running and, and provide them to end users of the platform. They need to understand role-based access control and how to tie that into their existing authentication and authorization systems. So, um, you know, we figured out, hey, what are going to be some common tasks that every person, every operator getting started with a platform like this is going to need to do? And then we built some exercises around it and, you know, we test them internally, we, we test them ourselves, we give them to our field people and say, hey, what do you think? And then, you know, we kind of beta test it with, uh, with the first few events and we make changes as we go and we try to be agile and flexible and, and just kind of keep going from there. Now, are there ways that people could, um, you know, replicate this? I know when I've ever been involved with these type of roadshows or labs on, on any technology, people usually get a lot out of it, but they're like, cool, how do I do this at home or, or how do I bring this to other people who weren't here? Are there ways Absolutely. to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So, so one of the things on the developer side is, um, you know, OpenShift 3.7 introduced the service catalog. 3.9, we we switched it to be fully supported. Uh, and so our developer, or I shouldn't say developer, our cloud platforms advocacy team, the recently renamed, um, they actually built uh, Ansible playbook bundles and, and Ansible automation broker um, catalog items to deploy the content for the workshops. So if you look at our traditional developer workshop, which is the first one I alluded to, hey, what are pods, what are routes, you know, how do I get basic apps up and going? Um, we actually have a service catalog item that one could install, and you click the button in an existing cluster, and it deploys a GitLab, uh, sorry, a GOGS Git server instance, it deploys Nexus, it deploys a lab guide. And assuming your users, or, or assuming you already have users who can access this OpenShift environment, um, they can just actually go right ahead and do that workshop content. All this stuff, we have it on GitHub. It's all publicly available. The operators one's a little bit trickier. Um, you know, the content, the lab instructions are available. The cloud formation template is available. There are a few specific things in that cloud formation template that are tied to the vendor uh, that we use. Um, but there's not a ton of deep integration, so it wouldn't be too hard to back that out. It's a few images and, and, and a script that might need a little bit of tweaking or, or whatnot. Um, but again, I think a lot of this really is the, the lab exercises are the more important part. The infrastructure underneath is somewhat easy to figure out. Uh, you know, again, the operator one's a little bit different, but that's, that's the, general, uh, the general story. I mean, we make all this stuff available. Anybody can, can download it, take a look at it. And these are public GitHub repositories. We're happy to take PRs if you find typos or if you just have a suggestion or, or you want to add an exercise or what have you. You know, We're happy to consider all that feedback. 
Very cool. Yeah, and we'll we'll get those in the we'll get those in the show notes for folks. They can go, you know, take a look at the repos. I, you know, I think for a lot of people, Tyler and I have talked about Katakota before on the show, just as being, you know, a great tool if you're like, hey, I don't necessarily have an environment to set up, or you know, there's some stuff I want to play around with, but I don't want to do it just you know, kind of open-ended, I'd like some structure to it. I think, you know, you guys making the lab content, the things that the steps that people should be shooting for, making those public, I think is great because it it allows you to go, look, I can get started. I can walk through some stuff in a structured way. And then, you know, when you start having your own questions or you want to start setting up your own scenarios, like you can, you can expand from there, but you're giving them kind of a lot of the basics. Um, how do you, you know, obviously this is a fast-moving space and, and uh, you know, everybody likes to see sort of latest and greatest. How do you think about, um, you know, refreshing these types of environments? So, you know, new stuff will come out with 3.10 or, you know, eventually uh, operators will happen. I mean, how, how do you how do you kind of prioritize or is there, you know, does, does somebody sort of help you decide where to, because obviously in one day you couldn't show somebody every feature that's available, right? A- absolutely. And so so it goes back to kind of start with the end in mind. Who's who's the audience? Um, you know, from an operations perspective, just just look at the administration guide and the documentation. Right. There's there's a hundred thousand levers that you could pull. Um, kind of the joke is like, hey, here's the uh, here's the lever that controls the flaps. Here's the lever that controls the engines. Uh, here's the lever that controls the landing gear. Well, hey, that's great. How do I fly the plane? Uh, and so, you know, we kind of have to start with this fly the plane scenario in mind and then build the exercises around that. And then when it comes time to either update the the underlying versions or, or add new exercises, you know, we just got to take it piece by piece. And so one thing we tried to do with the operations one, if you look in that repository, which will be in the show notes, you'll see that there's an automation folder with a bunch of Ansible. And so that serves actually two purposes. One, because many of the exercises or really all of the exercises build on one another, you can't go to step two without having completed step one in many cases. If somebody just wants to skip ahead because they're interested in a particular topic that has to, happens to come at the end, we give them a bunch of Ansible scripts that they can run that perform all of the lab steps. So if step one was like set up all these users and then step two is do something with the users, well, clearly you would need to do step one first. But if you don't actually want to go through and read it and do it yourself, we have a little Ansible scriptlet that will take care of doing that for you. The benefit of using Ansible in this particular scenario is that it also serves as a testing tool. So if all of those Ansible commands, if, if one of them fails, well, clearly the lab no longer works. So we got to investigate what's going on. So when there's a new version of OpenShift, we can basically just sort of make some tweaks in a development area, spin up a cluster, run through all the automation, and if any of it explodes, we know we have a problem. If it doesn't explode, well, then we just, you know, do we need to update screenshots? Do we need to, you know, just reword something because, you know, it's slightly different or what have you? Um, and then one thing that we're actually trying to build ourselves is is true uh, continuous integration for for these things. And so, Quick Lab as a vendor has an API, and so what we would love to do is be able to you know essentially constantly be deploy the whole experience, run through all the tests, see if they pass, and if they still pass, you know, no worry. And then when new versions come out, you know, sort of automatically do that. Or if somebody writes an exercise and submits a pull request, hey, go ahead, deploy a cluster, you know try that stuff that's in that pull request. And if it passes, maybe merge it to master automatically. Who, who knows, right? But we're, we're sort of exploring all those things right now. Um, on the dev side, they, they do a lot of the same 
stuff in, in certain regards. They have uh, some CI that they use to test the actual applications that they use for the developer experiences. Uh, and then we're working on some more continuous integration in terms of testing the whole experience overall to make updates uh, and upgrades go a little bit more smoothly and a little faster. Very cool. Very cool. Go ahead, Tyler. <laughs> no, go ahead. So, so I'm curious, um, how much, because you, you've, you've both run these events and other people run the events and, and so forth. Like, how much do you find people come wanting to learn kind of about, about Kubernetes, um, obviously maybe more so on the operations side than, than the development side versus kind of the, the specific, you know, let's say OpenShift or, uh, you know, Vertex or something like that. I mean, is, is there, does it tend to start with a curiosity about Kubernetes and, and what it does, and then you kind of expand it into the, the existing products? Or what, what's the feedback been from, from the marketplace around wanting to know Kubernetes? Does it, does it vary from developer to operator? I, I, I think it's a good mix of all of the above. And, and, and I, I don't mean that in a cop-out answer kind of way. I think uh, we get a mix of people who who haven't heard about any of this stuff and and their manager was like hey you know we're considering this this open shift and or containers or kubernetes thing like go go to this event or we get uh you know people whose companies are already evaluating something like OpenShift, and then they just want an excuse to spend a day really hands-on with knowledgeable folks instead of trying to you know self-evaluate uh, to a certain extent um, you know, really, it really runs the gamut. I don't, I don't know that we necessarily get a bunch of just very generic, like Kubernetes tire kickers. Uh, but then again, the experiences aren't super heavily OpenShift focused. I mean, yeah, if we're doing a bunch of stuff with the OpenShift UI and our Jenkins integration and our pipelines and all these other things, then yeah, I mean, that is kind of OpenShift specific. Uh, but I think just really in general, these are containers and kubernetes experiences with a with a openshift flair as opposed to heavily openshift oriented experiences no that's uh that's very neat i think that's what uh kind of what we've talked to people about it when it comes to that with you know openshift is yeah there's most of the stuff in there is a kubernetes thing so if you want to play with that you know you know, go that route with whether it's kube control or something like that, or, you know, and then also see what those differences are. Now, um, what other resources do you think people should take a look at besides these events? So they're like, hey, this all sounds awesome. I'm an operator. I'm a developer. I'm sort of interested in kube and and OpenShift. Like, what are some other resources I could uh, use? Yeah, for end users, definitely learn.openshift.com. We've talked a lot about Katakoda. The back end for that website is Katakoda. There's a number of developer-focused scenarios there. And, and, and they're not just playing with OpenShift sort of things. You know, we've got some service mesh examples there. We've got some serverless examples there. We're constantly adding new scenarios. Um, again, operations is always a little bit more tricky because... you you really need a whole cluster to be able to do something. And uh, other than, and even to a certain extent, the basic installation is is somewhat OpenShift specific because uh, as I'm sure you've talked about on the podcast many times, you know, Kubernetes is like a kernel and you really need a distribution. And so when it comes to the Red Hat distribution of Kubernetes, which is OpenShift, you know, we've assembled a number of specific components like our logging and metric solutions that may may not, 
be uh, used by other distributions or flavors. And so from an operations perspective, it's a, it's a little bit more specific. And again, it's a little more difficult because you do need a bunch of you know hosts. That being said, one of the things we're working on with our installation is to be able to deploy directly to the public clouds from the installer, as opposed to having to set up some of those prerequisites yourself. Uh, and so once we get that in the coming releases, that will actually make the tire kicker experimental uh, experience a lot easier because you'll basically be able to show up with an AWS credentials uh, or other cloud credentials and just sort of fire up a small environment and start playing around. Um, so hopefully that gives a good summary of kind of where we are today. Yeah, very, very cool. I'll only ask you one last question and we'll let you go because uh, I know you're very busy. Um, so obviously – if somebody were to go out to the to the website, and we'll put that in the show notes, you know where the road shows are. Um, you know they they they're on a, a Red Hat website, but we have a bunch of like partners, and sometimes we have like large companies that maybe want to host these things themselves. Like, have you gotten those types of requests where, let's say, a third party, I don't know, a Red Hat channel partner, uh, SI partner, or somebody else says, "Hey, can we do this ourselves?" Like, what might be the steps for that to happen, or are we not that far in the in the evolution that kind of third parties could could drive this from a you know get it into unique cities yet? It's it's been a vision of mine for a while. We're actually right there now with that level of expansion. Um, we've we've spent some time in the last few months building internal materials to to enable those partners um, to do that, and then just for customers who. You know, for whatever reason, they don't have the time, they're uncomfortable, or they want they want more people to be able to participate. We do these experiences for individual organizations all the time. So I work for Acme Corp. I call up my Red Hat person. Hey, that OpenShift Roadshow thing. Yeah, can you come on site and do that for 50 of my people? No problem. Absolutely can do that. Um, and we're working to enable the the channel partners and the SIs and everyone to do that as well. Uh, you know, we're giving them access to the same systems and tools that we use to to set everything up, so that they can just you know either go and push a button or, or send an email and say, hey, I need one of these environments on this date. Um, and we're also making it available, you know, like because everything's on GitHub, if a partner wants to, you know, clone, duplicate, extend, whatever one of these experiences, they're, they're more than welcome to do so with whatever tooling or process or procedure that they want. But we are, we are absolutely all about maximum availability of these types of experiences because, again, we want we – want, it very selfishly and self-servingly, I know this is the Cube uh, Control podcast, but you know we want customers to get interested and to want to make a purchase. Uh, and so, you know, what better way uh, to do that than to you know really get hands-on and play around with things? Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, man, thank you very much. Um, you know, you we will. Uh, Thanks for having me. We um, we will get some things in the show notes, like we said about uh, where the information is. Obviously, links to the the currently scheduled ones, and um, you know, if, if folks want to reach out, uh, you know, either either kind of go through your your local red hat channels um talk to those folks and see if uh you know you can you can have these things brought uh you know to your location if there's a location near you or reach out to us and we'll uh, we'll try and get updates on on schedules plan because i know beyond the stuff that's on the list you you uh you kind of go around the world with this stuff so um any last uh sort of notes or things you want to pass along to people to go you know take a look at or or kind of things to be aware of I think if I was going to give any advice or, or, or notes or extras or whatever, you know, 
from a completely ignoring Kubernetes, OpenShift, any of this thing, as a as a software company that Red Hat is, we have found that these types of hands-on experiences are very valuable as a part of the sales cycle. And so if you're listening to this and your company sells software, um, by all means, jump on this workshop roadshow type of bandwagon, right? Get out there, get into the real world, get people in a room, you know, give them some food, give them some drink, let them play with your bits, um, you know, and, and get a real experience for your product because we find that it's a great way to, you know, generate pipeline, generate leads, you know, just sort of help drive your business, right? And so as most of us who are technologists and in software are doing, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to sell either a service or a product and, uh, you know, getting people hands-on is really a great way to do that. Very cool. Very cool. Well, listen, folks, um, with that, I think we're going to wrap it up. Eric Jacobs, thank you for being on the show today for myself thank and Tyler. Uh, for We're going to uh, sort of wrap it up. We will hopefully talk to you next week. And uh, thank you again for listening. <laughs>